What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do in every space that you occupy. I'm one of the hosts. I'm Conroy, and we got Tony here. Tony, say what's up to the people, man. Yo, what's going on? I'm here. It's a beautiful day, and I'm excited to get it in, so let's go. Hey guys, before we jump into the podcast, shout out to MSW Media for having us on their platform. Also, do us a favor and give us a rating, please. Tony, tell them why they should give us a rating. So the more that podcasts are rated, the more that others can discover our podcast. And if y'all really enjoy our podcast, you want others to know about that, right? So go, go on and rate. Let's go. Also, make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Um, that lets us know that you're supporting us. Also, it, it just allows us to know and to grow. So the more you support us, the more we can grow. Take a look at our link tree. We got merch. I got this yes. cool t-shirt. Bang, bang. I Tony got, got his hoodie cool on. Hoodie. Let's go. We got hats. Whatever you want, we can make it. But... Purchase what we got now because this is good. Simple. Oh, yeah. But today we got an awesome episode. We got another real talk. Real talk. I like that. I'm a, maybe we'll do that sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Tony, what's the real talk about today? So today we're, we're talking about incarcerated parents. Uh, you and I are no stranger. To, to this, uh, both of our fathers have been in and out of jail, mainly through our childhood. Um, and so that has had a profound impact on the way we show up in the world and the way we even um, view promises and people's words. So, so I'm just curious, when... When was the first memory you have of getting a call that your father was locked up and how that impact you? I don't know if I have a memory of of when of a specific phone call of like hey your dad's locked up again. I just remember the calls from prison. Like I remember those collect calls where um, you'll get them and it's, it'll be so-and-so is in Franklin County Jail. They want to make a phone call. Do you accept charges? And I remember those. I don't necessarily remember like, hey, your dad's in jail. It was more like, oh, hey, by the way, <laughs> your dad's in jail again. Um, mm. And I think that's kind of how it was for me. It was more of a consistent basis. Um, and that was kind of. I don't think any child should have to go through that, have to go through a parent being consistently incarcerated um, like like it's just a day job. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of people in our communities and uh, black and brown communities, that is their story, spe- specifically in men's lives. And it's hard. It's hard for the child. Like you mentioned, we still are dealing with repercussions of our incarcerated uh, fathers to this day, knowingly and unknowingly. Um, my question for you, 
was kind of similar. Like, did you get calls from prison that you can remember? So I never got a call from prison. I never even visited my pops in prison. I remembered hearing from my mom, hey, your dad's in jail. And I would get letters. Um, you know, I, I would check, I, I would check that mailbox day in and day out, anticipating for another letter, uh, from my dad and open it and read it. And then like right away, right in back, like, wow. It was like the saddest part of my childhood, but I also got the most joy out of doing this and because I felt like wow yes it was through paper and writing I got to know a little bit of who my father was yeah it was like he cared right right and he might not be there physically but he's thinking about you so that I can see how that would bring a lot of joy I don't know if I got any any letters i just remember the phone calls i do so um what was this my i was young my mom and my dad were both incarcerated at one point at the same time that's how you know i ended up living with my grandparents and i remember actually going to visit her i i i've been in max prisons i've been in county jails visiting family members and that was the the craziest thing actually crazy crazy thing was I remember um, my mom actually was in prison with Martha Stewart. She was in the same prison as Martha Stewart. So it was like one claim to fame, but it, I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing for a child to have to experience that. It's a weird thing that it was so common that like, it was just like, Oh, like we're going to go see mom. And I know a lot of parents, a lot of black families, black and Brown families talk about like, they'll tell the younger siblings, Oh, like our parent is just off at college (laughs) and they're not, you know, that's what we, that's what we used to, that's what we used to say. And it was, it was hard. I think the hardest thing for me was the empty promises, Um, especially for, for my dad, when he would go in and out of jail, it was like, he'd go, he'd be like, Hey, I'm going to come to your football game or I'm going to come to your, your play, or I'm going to come to this. And then next thing you know, he's in jail. And then I just got so accustomed to that, that I never expected people to show up for me. And now I'm 31 and still dealing with that, like that if somebody tells me something, I really don't hold on to it too much. But like in reality, I do. I care that I'm like, okay, like if you say what you said, are you going to live up to it? And then if not, it's like, oh, well, I figured anyway. It's almost like I'm not giving people the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, and that's that's not fair, you yeah. know? Well, yeah. And, I mean, I I think the biggest way that my father being incarcerated has played out in my life is, like, I have really bad abandonment issues um, mm. because you know, my father was the life of the party. Like he, (laughs) 
he loved making people laugh. He still does. Like, mm-hmm. and my dad's around, you know it. <laughs> um, and, and so I never could understand why he didn't want to stay out from me. And so I believe that I internalized, I must not be good enough for my dad to want to stay out of prison for me. And I still think with my closest relationships, if I'm fully me, will people want to stay or will people get fed up and want something better? So, yeah, I really struggle with that. That's, you know what, now that you, when you said that, I was like, yep, I used to think that too. And I was like, why can't you stay out of jail? Like, am I not a good enough reason for you to stay out of jail, for you to go back to the bottle, for you to sell those drugs? And as a kid, that's the only thought we have. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you keep going to jail, just stop. You know, right, right. And I know for my dad, I well, actually, I don't know. I'm just assuming that maybe he was he was Jamaican. So he came over here from Jamaica and that might have been the way he could make money. He could make quick money. And maybe he was just trying to provide. I remember when I would go over there, like I never had this. Like I always had food, you know, but, you know, so much so that he ended up getting deported back to jamaica and some of you guys know my my father's story and this is who i thought was my biological dad this is who i'm referring to um but so much so that he got deported back to jamaica and it's just like you couldn't clean it up for for me but it's like who knows the the real story behind it you know who knows why or what got them into these these actions right and and like I, even even in college i would be like so resentful and frustrated with my dad of like it's not that hard like stop doing what you're doing and start living differently and it wasn't until i stopped being so angry that i was able to really be curious and I started to learn once you're in jail, the system is stacked against you so much that the odds of you going back there are are so high. And so I started to have compassion for my father to, to understand he may never want to go back, but he can't get a job with the record. And if he does, it's not going to be quick money like dealing with uh, drugs is. So why would he try to, in a sense, go backwards when he's got a lucrative thing going? So it's, yeah, it's challenging. Do you have any other family members or anybody else you know that was incarcerated uh no i don't only my father it's interesting because in my my family i remember my uncle 
I mean, you know him now. He he was in and out of jail. There was actually one point where he spent more time of his life in jail than out of jail. Now I think it has finally flipped. Bro, that that's crazy to me. Like and I don't know. I I've never walked in their shoes, but like I would try my hardest to never go back if I had to go. Like it just doesn't sound pleasant. But you know you know what's interesting about that is, you know, he talks about that. It's like 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 you just said, the the world is stacked against them when they get out of jail and now that's comfortable. Like he has a routine, he's gonna get fed, right? That's true. He, he he obviously has to follow rules, but then like when he comes out in the world, it's like you go right back to to like where you where you were doing all the drugs, right. and it, it is hard. I, there's some there's some guys um, that there's this uh, I don't know what it's called, but essentially near I'm gonna say near my house. I'll, I'll say that is a. I guess a halfway house where after they get out, they go to this house before they enter into the real world. And you can just kind of see how programmed they are. You know, they, a lot of these guys that I know that they, they try to find a job. They try to stay on program. They try to, and it's because they're built like a routine, almost like military militant ish. And it's like, sometimes people crave that. They crave structure, and when they are out of the structure, they go back to the drugs. They go back to the to the bottle, and it's just not. You're right; it's not built. The system is not built for progression. If anything, it's built for regression. Yeah, and like I, I think that's why rehabilitation is so important for. You know, when when people in prison get out, they have a skill set of, you know, what does it look like for me to set a schedule mm. so that, you know, I don't have complete freedom, but I have a set of boundaries. Because we often think of boundaries as something that's constrained, but... It's almost like the more boundaries you have, the more free you feel to work within those boundaries. Yeah. You know, there was one, there was maybe two times in my life where I thought I was going to go to jail. Can you believe that? Let me tell you, let me tell you oh, a story. I'm, here's our friendship moment, y'all. <laughs> All right. Um, Maybe maybe two times. The first time I can remember, I rode my bike. And you guys, we're from a really small town. And our mall, what, is probably five miles from my house? Maybe further. I don't know. I have no idea. So I rode my bike. Me and some of my cousins rode our bikes from my house to the mall. And we wore these hoodies. And they were like, all right, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go on the finish line. And you're just going to put these things underneath your, your shirt and you're going to walk out. And I was just like, ah, 
So we get in there. I think I grab a couple hats and I walk out and I felt so bad. And I was just that whole bike ride. I'm like, the cops are going to come get us. The cops are going to come get us. The cops are going to come get us. I was just so nervous. Now, there was one time. Were, were they nice hats? I had to ask. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I don't. I don't have them anymore. Were they? I don't know. I think it was like a Phillies hat. It was like a brown Phillies hat. And then like a pinstripe, like a white and red Phillies hat. Maybe a Steelers hat. Like for why? Yeah. Do you even like baseball? No, I just like colors. Except for go Padres. Um, Another time uh, I was in, shoot, maybe junior high school and i went to a friend's house i usually my grandma usually never let me spend a night at people's houses i think that might be a black thing but i just never spend night at people's houses and this one time i did spend the night at one of my friend's house and we snuck out and i was like yeah let's go see this girl um and we were just going to go see this girl to like just do it like just to say hi hang out and then go back. So we did, we went out and this was like near, near the high school actually. And we went and saw her and then we were on our way back. And I was like, we had to like every car. And this is, I was young. I was under 15, I guess. Yeah. I was under 15. So we would like every t- car that went past, we would like hide. And then another car go to pass. We would hide. And I'm like, this is dumb. Like, why do we keep doing this? And I'm like, I'm just going to walk back. So I just started walking and Lo and behold, the next car, cop car. So they picked me up and my friend took us to the police station. Um, this is the first time. I don't even know where we were, but we were at the police station. I don't know if I was in. I wasn't in a cell, but I was like out in the holding area. My grandma came in, caused the whole scene, yelled at my friend's mom, was like, why would you let them go out? Blah, blah, blah. And then she was like, leave him in there. Leave him in there till the morning. And then my, you know, my, my grandma is like, she's very much like all talk. But then like, she was like, all right, come on. <laughs> and then I was grounded for like 24 hours and that was it. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Uh, so there was, there's uh, one time in, at Faust. Um, I don't know why I did this y'all. It's, I'm a, I'm a new guy, so whatever. Um, I was in the, uh, lunch line and I took, uh, two cookies. Thought I was so sly. Took two cookies, stuffed them in my hoodie. Next thing I know, Miss Clever. Tony, what's in your hoodie? I was like, dang it. Was not sly at all. Got caught. Went to the principal office. I'm like, man, what's going to happen now? Got detention, but nothing else. I was like, come on. I thought I was like slyer than that, but nope. So just so you guys know, we are not good. We have two. We have a conscious and our, our conscious is too, too strong. Well, I mean, to be real, I didn't care. I was doing it. I was mad I got caught. You have yeah. a conscience. I, I'm a heathen, so it's fine. To be fair, those cookies were bomb. 
Yo, <laughs> to be fair, wrong. those cookies were bomb. Like, bomb, they Tony. Tasty. <laughs> so, I, I what, what, what's an, we've, you know, we've talked about, you know, your dad a lot on this podcast, and I can give you an update on mine as well, but we're talking about incarcerated parents here. And I, I guess my question is, what is your relationship like with him? Like to date, because I remember last time we talked, you were going to talk to him. Yeah. So actually, uh, to date, um, my relationship with my dad is awesome. Um, it was two days ago. We had a 45 minute conversation. Um, He's going back to school for entrepreneurship. I uh, was talking to me about like, oh, how do I do this college thing? Can you help me? Like, just really cool to finally feel like I have a friend in my dad. Mm. And, and like, it was crazy when I stopped wanting him to be the ideal father. Um, and just let him be him. Things got so much easier for us. Uh, and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Me and my sisters joke a lot about how, um, <laughs> we say our parents weren't the soccer, soccer mom, soccer dads. Like, oh, absolutely. Y'all were not the soccer mom, soccer dad. But no. honestly, Tony, that's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard you say that about your dad so i'm right. so happy hey, real time, y'all. we didn't discuss this so yeah wow that's amazing yeah man the lord is faithful you know what's interesting well first of all i want to say that both of our parents are out of jail um and both of my parents are out of jail too they've been out for a while yeah. and I've had like kind of like a rocky relationship with both of my my parents. I think a lot because of uh the guilt that they feel that almost out pours on to us, my me and my siblings, and it's it's hard for us cuz it's just like like we're good. Like we've learned actually how to survive without you being a parent. And I think that makes them feel some type of way. But actually, right before this podcast, I was on the phone with my dad that's in Jamaica, and we were just kind of talking. He apologized. You know, last time I talked to him, he, like, cussed me out, brought up all these things from the past, all this stuff. And he eventually apologized and solely because he saw a post of me on Facebook of, like, me worshiping or something. And he was like, wow, I didn't know you were in the church. And it was like something that small, just from a little post, he it kind of changed his mind, changed his heart. Right. And he apologized. And we had a good conversation, you know, just recently, literally right before we started our podcast, I was on the phone with him just talking about like, you know, kind of starting fresh, not bringing up, not going back in the past, not necessarily like forgetting it, but like not dwelling on it. and. Right. starting fresh and and stuff like that you know he's sick and it's 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 cool you know even my mom too we kind of had a little fallout but i think the hard part i would say with parents 
um, and I, I'm assuming our parents are probably around the same age, is that they say things, and because of how they were raised, they say things and they just take it. But they they deal with that forever. And I think the difference is we they say things to us, and then I'm like, that's not okay. Right. And they're like, whoa. When I was your age, I just I didn't talk back to my my parents. I'm like, right, I'm not right. I'm not talking back. I'm letting you know that yes. Come on. that's not okay. Yep. I respect you enough yes. to let you know in a kind way that like your words have power and you just can't talk to your children any old way. Yes. So well, that's kind of been my my recent discovery. Yeah, and like I I think that's a beautiful thing like being able to get to a place where like us disagreeing with our parents does not equate disrespecting them. Like we are grown enough to advocate for ourselves and not just take whatever and like oh I whatever like mm-hmm. um and I think that's that's the road to maturity is being able to stand up to our parents in a way that that is just honest um not not shaming not guilt tripping but being completely honest of like this is where you failed this is where you did not step it up and i need you to know that cuz there's power in naming things because you know, name it to tame it is something I I always say. It's like when we name things, they lose power over us. Mm-hmm. Have you have you found that maturity to be able to communicate to your parents when you feel some type of way? Um, no. So yes and no. I had the maturity to voice when things are um, out of line, but they don't have the maturity to receive it. And because they don't know how to receive it properly, I keep my mouth shut uh, because if I don't, I I will be disrespectful and I don't want that. Mm. Yeah. And because it's like, you know, because we're not not because we're Christians, but it's like we're Christians as well. So I don't want to go out of character because you're going out of character. And because that may have been our story years ago, that doesn't need to be my story now. I would say for for me, it was in it wasn't until I remember exactly where I was here in San Diego. It was this year, Tony, where you know, usually I just talk to my parents. I just let them say whatever they want. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. And I remember where I was and I was like, no, mom, like you, you, you can't say that to us and then expect us to be okay the next day. Like we have feelings too. And it's like, I need you to know that your words have power and like they slice sometimes. And I need right. you to recognize that and not 
not just think like you can just say whatever you want and us to be okay. And that didn't happen until 31. I'm 31. That didn't happen yeah. until this year. I know exactly where I was too when I said it because I was surprised that I said something because usually I'm just like, okay. And then I just eat it. But then it like, it hurts. Like I remember, yeah. I vividly remember Tony when you would get excited to go see your dad or go talk to your dad or something. And it was literally I'm like, how'd it go? And then you would like, your whole demeanor would change because of like he would say something or do something or call you a name. And I'm like, man, I me- I remember those times like yeah. vividly. Well, and like our parents were, were the ones that taught us the old rhyme sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, and so they believe this stuff, and so they think they can act all out of pocket and it not really matter. But, like, I'd rather you hit me with sticks and stones, mm. but still be kind in your words, because kind words can do do the most healing that, you know, Sticks and stones, yeah, I'll be in pain, but I'll be alright. Like, and we we just don't realize the biggest weapon that we have is not our fists, it's not our guns, it is our words. If we were kind and gracious and knew how to be good friends, this world would be so different. Yep. I wanted to find that scripture on words having power. So as you're, as you're looking for that, I have a question for you. Yeah. What, what has forgiveness look like for you? Oh, um, forgiveness, forgiveness for me looks like picking up a phone call. As simple as that sounds, there's been many years where I will, my parents will probably call, let's say in half of a year, they'll probably call me uh, 12 times. I probably pick up one. So I think forgiveness for me is as simple as picking up a phone call, um, letting them talk, um, I think another layer to that is now saying how I feel in a loving way, because I think where forgiveness wasn't happening is they would say something and I was, I would hold on to that forever. Keep voicemail that they would leave. And now it's like, Hey, that wasn't okay. This is why it wasn't okay. We can hash it out right now. And as long as we hash it out right now, I'm going to be good after this. So, I think that's what forgiveness has looked like for me. And I, I do want to say this, that I love my parents, uh, my dad and my mom. I think they did the best that they could with what they had. Um, while I have done it different, 100%. But I think, I think they did the best that they could for what they had. And now I think it's my duty to show them Christ's love by how I forgive and how I communicate 
to them, especially because I might be the only Jesus that they'll ever hear. I don't want to say Jesus that they'll ever see, but I might be the only Jesus that they'll ever actually hear and listen to. So I kind of take that as my my duty. What about you? What does forgiveness look like for you? Yeah, you hit it uh, right on the head. Um, I think for me, uh, forgiveness has looked like naming naming the ugly truth unapologetically, but not letting it affect the way that I see and define my father. Um, like I have no problem, you know, saying like. You did the best you could, but at the same time, you did some mess up stuff. Um, mm. You, things you've done to me will stick with me my whole life. Even in the midst of that, I love you fiercely, and I want to see you win. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that's that's what we want. Um, the scripture was Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Like you said, it can be a weapon, but it can also bring life. Um, also in Ephesians 4.29 states, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And Proverbs 10.19, Sin is not ended up by multiplying words but the prudent hold their tongues. So guys, this this one took a turn. Bars. <laughs> um what another amazing episode, Tony. We I like this one. This one was a good one. Oh yeah. I think we uh definitely learned a lot about each other, learned a lot about our our parents. And for any parents who are out there who listen to this, um just talk to your talk to your children, especially any children that are millennials. Like we have opinions and you we can have we can have conversations. We can disagree and still be loving in that. Yes. And I think that's what what I'm learning. Um Yeah. And to add to that, parents, um when your kids express to you emotion meet their emotion with emotion and when they come to you with logic meet the logic with logic that's how you build trust you heard it here first folks this was another great episode of real talks real guys this was this was truly real talk and it was free too don't forget that that's true get it why it's free because the price is going to go up eventually we don't know when (laughs) one day we're speaking that into existence yes we are but hey y'all um again first of all give us a rating again that helps to let other people know this podcast is good that gets eyes and ears on our podcast and we'd appreciate if you guys did that also go to our link tree follow us on all social media platforms shout out to msw media and until next time be authentic in everything that you do peace peace out y'all
Woo!